there's these moments where you're the one, you have the ball in your hand. And what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond? It's up to you to take the shot. It's up to you to make something happen. It's up to you to make the difference. And whether we, whether we like those moments or not, we have those moments. We all live in those moments. There's that moment where it's your moment. Now, it may not be as an athlete. Sometimes that moment comes through political leaders or it comes to military leaders when they know that the decision that they make is going to have incredible consequence. Sometimes it's the actor that stands on stage and the spotlight hits them for their moment. It's when the soloist has the microphone in her hand and it's time for her to to sing that song. There's these moments where we have to make difficult decisions, life-altering things. Do I do this or do I do that? Do I spend this or do I spend that? Do I go here? Do I go there? One of the most difficult decisions we make is where someone says, so we're going to eat out. Where do you want to go? Isn't that always a loaded question? Most stressful part of my Sundays. Where are we going to lunch? There's these... There's these moments. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1 this morning. And we're going to look at one of those moments. Because Joshua finds himself there. In a moment where he realizes the ball is in my hands. The burden is on me. The time has come for me to respond. And what do you do in that moment? Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua, God says, the ball's in your hands. This is your moment. This is your time. It's up to you. Now, here's, here's just the honest truth. Odds are, you may never be called to take the game-winning shot at the buzzer. And God may never show up at your front door and ask you to lead a nation. But I believe that we all have our moment. That time when the ball's in our hands. That, that moment when it's up to us to respond in one way or another. And it's important for us to recognize this. For Joshua, that moment had come. See, for 40 years, Joshua had been Moses' right-hand man. He had been Moses' aide as they left Egypt and went into the wilderness, as they were freed from slavery. And then for those 40 years, he basically served as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff for Israel. He was in charge of the military. This was his role. This was his place of leadership. And for 40 years, he sat there. And now God says, as we just read, Joshua, Moses is dead. It's a fine how do you do, isn't it? Moses is dead, so Joshua, the ball's in your hands. It's up to you now. No more Moses, now it's Joshua. No more wilderness, now it's the promised land. It's time for you to lead. And you may never be called to lead a nation. You might not be called to take the game-winning shot at the buzzer, but here's what I believe. There are those times when it's your moment. We're in this series of messages that we're calling Promised Land. And how do we get to the place and find God's vision for our lives? And we're working with this premise that the people of God are created to live in the promises of God. 
And there are those times when it's your moment to thrive, to live in the promise that he has for you. God has created you to live in his promises and it's up to us to grab those moments and make sure we don't let them slip through our fingers. And I don't think, I don't think age is a factor because we can be quick to say, well, I'm too young to have some kind of wonderful moment or I'm too old to have some kind of meaningful moment. I don't think any of that is just true at all. Age is not a factor. Intelligence is not a factor. Because oftentimes we say, well, I'm not smart enough, or I'm not gifted enough, or I don't have the ability to make a difference. And spirituality is not a factor, because we can be quick to say, well, look, I'm not mature enough, or I'm not spiritual enough, or I'm not a pastor, or I'm not a deacon, or I don't teach a class on how to know God better. Those things aren't what we're talking about. There are these moments when the ball's in our hands, when it's up to us to, to take the shot, to move something forward. And what do we do in those moments? That moment's going to come to you when it's time for you to speak the truth. And what will you do when it does? The moment's going to come for you to lead your family, to help someone, to deal with a loss, to love your spouse unselfishly, to decide that I'm going to get healthy spiritually or emotionally or physically to seize the opportunity that's knocking at your door, to resolve the conflict, or to be intentional as a parent. The moment's going to come for you to excel on the job, for you to take that test. The moment's going to come for you to pull the trigger on that, that thing that you've just been waiting so long on, but you haven't had the strength or the courage to do it. I believe that there are these moments that come to us when we recognize I'm the one holding the ball here. I'm the one who can make a difference. And what do we do when we experience that moment, the ball is in your hands. Now what do you do? What I want to do this morning is walk us through Joshua chapter 1. See what Joshua's experience was like when God said, Joshua, now it's up to you. And I think from that we can learn some things. Now admittedly, today is going to probably be more about leadership than it is theology. We're going to talk about some very practical sides of how do I move forward in where God has placed me in this moment that I'm in. But as we do, I'm convinced that it can help us to know how we can best live our lives and capture those moments that come our way. So let me, let me give to you, if we're talking about these moments, some thoughts. I want, to, I want to do this. Let me give you two essential elements of your moment. Two essential elements of the moment that you live in. If you're going to capture these times. And, and do this with me too. Don't, don't be quick to dismiss some of this. Because for some of us, we may say, well, I don't, I don't lead anything great. There's really not a whole lot to me. I just kind of get up, I do my job, I come home, I go to bed, and then I get up and I do my job, and I come home, and I go to bed, and then I get up, and do my job, and I come home, and I go to bed. So there's, not, there's, no, there's no moments for me. And I believe that God has for us, and we'll look at this as we walk through this today, he has these moments daily that he wants us to seize and to grab. So what are the two essential elements of the moment? Here's number one. Let me give you the first one, and we'll see this in Joshua 1. It's the calling. It's the calling that God has on your life. It's the calling that he's prepared for you. It's the thing that's in front of you, and he's given you this calling. You have to realize that you're living in this moment, in this calling that he has for you. And there's these times when God, I believe, by his spirit and in these, these moments, he speaks to us about the fact that something is different here. And he challenges us that at this moment, you're not just here to spectate. You're not just here to watch. It's time for you to do something. And if you've ever been there, you know, I, I, would, I would just call it like a shift. 
there's this shift that happens that all of a sudden I realize that I'm not just a bystander, I'm in the game. I'm not just sitting in the bleachers. I need to get out there on the court. There's something that I need to do. There's a response that I need to make. And there's this shift that happens when we recognize our calling. The moment shifts when you realize you are a participant and not a bystander. It's when you you find yourself in your moment. There's this shift. And you go, I can't just sit here and watch. I'm not a bystander. I'm a participant in this. And let me challenge you with this. I believe that this is to be a daily, constant, intentional thing in our lives. It's not just that one moment where some kind of great opportunity rings your doorbell. But every day as the Spirit leads us and we realize this is a moment when I can do something, when the Holy Spirit can speak through me, when God can use my hands, when he can use my mouth, where he can use my abilities to do something, to touch someone else and make the world a place that God desires for it to be. I believe it's this daily intentional thing that takes place. Let's watch how it happened for Joshua in a big scale. Joshua chapter 1 verse 2 Go back and look at this. God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And God brings Joshua to this moment of transition, this moment where things are about to change. Joshua knew responsibility. He was a leader, but for 40 years, he didn't really have the ball in his hands. And now God says, Joshua, this is your moment. And oftentimes, and this is good for us to recognize, oftentimes God does this through some form of change. Let's just use the word transition because transition is less scary than change, isn't it? Let's call it transition. And there's these things that, that happen, this shift that we realize this is, this is a moment where I need to respond. In this instance, it was with Moses' death and it put Joshua in a place where he found himself in a moment where the ball was in his hands. For him, it was a moment that he had known was coming for a long time, but now it's finally here and transition happens in that way. I don't know what it looks like for you. It could be a long-awaited opportunity. It could be a change in your heart. It could be a conversation that you have. For many of us, just like for Joshua, this happens in times of loss. When we lose a loved one, or we lose a job, or we lose an opportunity, and then we, 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 we can have a tendency to check out in those times. When God wants us to see that out of this transition, there may be something that he's working. It may happen in miraculous intervention, and I don't want you to miss this. It happens in our daily routine. But let, let's talk about transition for a moment, because one of the things that I watch take people off track so often is when something changes. When there's transition, when things aren't the same. And we wrestle with that because transition, and this is maybe the best word that I can use, transition puts us in a precarious place, doesn't it? Because we like when we're stable. We like when things are the way that they are. But when they change, now I'm unsettled. When there's a change in my job, when there's a change in my life, when there seems to be something going on in my home that I can't grasp or understand, and transition puts us in a precarious place. Imagine this for Joshua, because Moses had led for 40 years, and he wasn't following someone who had low approval ratings, right? He's following Moses. Moses, who rescued them out of Egypt. Moses, who God spoke to. 
Moses who gave them the law. Moses who pointed out for them where they were headed. Moses is a pretty big deal. And Joshua, you have to follow Moses. You've got to come after Moses. And that makes transition so precarious. Because Moses didn't have this this process where he just appointed his son and it was determined who would follow him. God said Joshua, but the people didn't have to say Joshua. There was this tense place that transition puts us in. And if you're in a season of transition, and and I, I just I felt this very consistently as I prepared for today, that there's probably some of you who are in a season of transition of some kind or another, and you say precarious, that's a good word. I say scary. I say uncertain. I say freaky. What do I do in this? Watch this. That transition, and this is key to understand, is a precarious moment of great opportunity. Because typically, what God allows to happen in moments of transition is to find a way that even though it's this precarious moment, he has a great opportunity in store for us somewhere. There's something that he's stirring. There's something that he's doing. As much as no one wanted to see Moses go, as long as Moses was around, they weren't going to go into the promised land, were they? So there was this precarious moment that opened up to great opportunity. This was key for it to happen and it's, 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 it's important for us to recognize that with transition comes both uncertainty and opportunity. And it's good for us to talk about this because this is even where we are as a church in a certain sense, isn't it? Some of our ministries, Pastor Dan's departure in June and now Pastor Eric's departure, so our worship arts and our student ministry, and we're in a season where we're seeking the Lord for who will take some key leadership roles in those places. And it's easy to go, oh man, now what? How does this happen? Where do we go? And you can start to be concerned. But even in that season of transition, doesn't God open up great opportunity? And, and this is unique for us because we just came out of summer. If you're a student, you love summer, Right? If you're a parent, you love summer for a while, maybe. And, um, but at some point, summer ends and you go back to school. And the students said, nah, yeah, I won't talk about what some of the parents said. But you have that moment. If you don't go back to school, you won't move forward. There has to be that transition. There has to be that moment where we move on into something else. And this is something that has to happen. One other thing that's key to recognize about that shift is that moment where you have the the ball in your hands. It doesn't always happen the way that we hope that it does. Joshua waited for 40 years before he had that moment of opportunity. But he stayed faithful in that. And for some of you, there's this place where you go, I am waiting for the right job, and I'm waiting for the right opportunity, and I'm waiting for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. I'm waiting for this thing. And we can have a tendency to give up in the process and not want to hold on through that. And when you're waiting on your moment, don't give up on the promised land. Because you can have a tendency to say, oh, it's never going to happen or that's not going to come through. Just be faithful where you are in that moment because God is working and he's preparing and he's moving something in us while we're waiting in that time. Parents, there's these teachable moments that come our way. When it would be easier for us to be less vulnerable and maybe not talk to our children about these truths in our culture or these things going on in our families. But we take those teachable moments and we speak to them in these moments because the ball's in your hands to do something eternal in that moment. There's times when we could help the needy and the ball's in your hands to do it. And it might be easier to dismiss that, but it's your moment. 
It's your moment to do something. There's times when the burden of leadership comes on us, whether it be in the family or in the workplace, and it might be easier for us to say, I really don't want to do that, but God's called you to do that, and he's put you in that place to take the moment, to take the shot, because the ball's in your hands. And here's what I know also to be true, because, because I, I know stories. And just to be quite honest, I see it in some of your faces Some of you, your response would be, hey, Chad, this is great. I'm glad you're talking about this, but I've missed my moment. It's too late for me because I, somewhere I I dropped the ball or I committed a foul or I went out of bounds and I messed this up on the job and there's that marriage that didn't quite make it and there's this, this relationship with my kids that's too far estranged and there's these places that I'm never, I missed my moment and I'm never gonna get it back. That is not reason to get out of the game, Amen. Amen? (laughs) Because God's called you to seize the moment that you're in. And even if you think you missed a moment somewhere along the lines, that doesn't mean you don't take the shot. That doesn't mean you don't move forward because God is working something in your life. So what what does this mean for us? It means that when there's that calling, that we make the most of the moment. And just think of these two thoughts. Very quick, I I want to drop this. What does that calling require of us? If God has put us in a place where the ball's in our hands, what does it require? One thing is this, the calling requires sacrificial service. It means that you're willing to say, God, I will take on what you've entrusted to me. This was key because for Joshua, this meant he was going to go into warfare. It meant the opportunity for failure. It meant the burden of leadership. And in the midst of all of that, the criticism that could come and the fearful moments that were ahead, he had to know, I'm going to lead through this because the ball's in my hands. This is the place that God has called me to be in this moment. Now, watch this, because it's easy for us to say, well, that's cool for the Joshuas of the world. I'm not really a, I'm not really a Joshua I'm more, of a, I'm more of an Israelite. I'm a Toledoite. I'm a mommyite. I'm a Ohioite. Whatever. And you say, I just kind of, this doesn't apply to me. Watch this, this thought of sacrificial service, because this is big. Joshua chapter 1, verse 12. Listen to what Joshua says to the people. He's talking to them about where they're headed and what they're supposed to do. Verse 12. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now let's talk about this for a minute. Why did he talk to what we'll call here two and a half tribes? If you remember, there's 12 tribes in Israel, and it was the different family clans and the way that the people of Israel were divided up. And without going into a lot of history, he speaks specifically here to two and a half tribes. And, and there's, there's history why Manasseh is called a half a tribe. But long story short, there's these two and a half tribes. And when Joshua speaks to them, he's speaking to them directly. Why to them? Because if you go back and you read through the first five books of the Old Testament, the, what we call the Pentateuch, what you'll see is that for those two and a half tribes, their land, what they were being given, was not in what we will refer to through the rest of this book as the promised land. The Jordan River, and they'll, they'll cross this here in a couple of weeks as we go through the book, the Jordan River was the, was the crossing point that took them into the promised land. So they were going to cross west into the Jordan River. But for these two and a half tribes, for the Reubenites and the Gadites and and the half-tribe of Manasseh, where they were at was their promised land. Their land was on the east side of the river. So basically, they didn't have to go and conquer this new land. They were in their land. They were already there. They were building schools and they were putting up roads. They had a couple of super Walmarts. It was a big deal. Five guys was coming to town. They were stoked. No barbecue places because... 
Jewish. But the whole thing was, right? They were getting established. This was a big deal for them to be there. Listen to what Joshua says to them. They're home. They're building their homes. Their kids are going to school. They know that their families are in a safe place. Listen to what Joshua says to them. He says to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, ready for battle, must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land your Lord your God is giving them. After that, after that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Do you see what this means? The people of Israel are going into the promised land. We will watch. There are giants there. There are armies there. Or there are walled cities there. There are enemies there. This is going to mean a battle for them to take this land. And even these two and a half tribes that already have their land are called to sacrificial service. The wives and kids are to kiss their husbands goodbye and the fighting men are to go and be a part of the army that's going to take the land because it's not something that they individually do. It's something that they do together. And they had no right to say, well, we're already in our place, so good luck. I hope it goes okay for you. No, here's the truth. The people of God are called to lead others into his land of promise. Does that that make sense? That the people of God are called to lead others into his land of promise. Not just to sit back and say, well, I'm glad I'm okay. I hope it turns out all right for them. You know, it could be easy for you to watch the world and the culture around you. And the truth is, we live in a culture that's very godless, isn't it? And as a result, there are many people who have no peace, they have no joy, they have no purpose in their lives. And it could be easy for us to sit back and go, boy, I'm sure glad I know Jesus. Glad I'm not going to hell. And not do anything about those who need to hear the message of Jesus. Isn't it part of our responsibility to tell them? Isn't it? Yes, okay, thanks. Thanks. It could be easy for me to say, hey, I'm settled. I'm good. My life's in a great place. And not realize that God has called you the balls in your hands to do your part to help to move God's land of promise, the truth of his word, the message of salvation to those who need to desperately hear it. And the same thing's true even in the church. It could be real easy for us to go, I did my time. I did my part. I'm settled in. When there's still things to be done. There's still missionaries to be sent. There's still work to be done in communicating the gospel message. Let me, let me just give you just real quick two, two quick things. Every Sunday morning, there's two things that happen around here that constantly need people to make them happen, and they're huge. One is our hospitality ministries. We've got wonderful people who stand at the front door, and they greet you, and they shake your hand, and they smile and make you feel welcome whether they like you or not, right? It's wonderful. It takes a lot of people and always takes more people. Our children's ministry has been an area where we've seen tremendous growth in the last couple of years. It's been, it's been huge. But it always takes more people. And I don't mind honestly saying to you that, that there's a need consistently for people to be involved in that. And sometimes we go, well, you know, it's just, it's not me. I don't, I don't want to get this. I'm, you know, I did my, 
right? God's people are called to lead God's people to the places of promise. And maybe God's stirring in you not to say, does this give you a little quiver in your liver? But just to say, look, there's a space for you to be involved in. And if you're willing to say, look, I'll, I'll, I'll give a Sunday a month to serve with children. Or I'll be willing to get on a schedule to be a part of the hospitality team. Would you, would you simply do this? That tear off portion of the bulletin. Write your name, contact information, and just put either the word hospitality or children or whatever Pastor Chad wants. <laughs> um, and just, there's a, there's a glass globe that's out by the Connection Center. You don't need to ask any questions. Somebody will get a hold of you. Just take that, drop it in that globe. Because the people of God are called to move forward the kingdom of God with sacrificial service. I, I don't like smiling at people, you say. Then maybe you shouldn't do it. That's a whole nother. But, but you may say, I, I don't know. What do I, how do I do what God's... I've got the ball in my hands, but what do I do? Look, recognize this. Not only is it required of us that the calling of God requires sacrificial service, but catch this real quick too, and we won't park here long, but the calling requires divine empowerment. If you're going to do what God's called you to do, it's going to take divine empowerment. Now, I'm, I'm not going to spend much time there because we need to move on, but just maybe do this. Take some time this week and read through Joshua chapter 1 and maybe circle or take a note of all the times that Joshua says, the Lord gave you, the Lord gave you. God says, I will give to you the things that we have, who we are, and even what we do in those moments of our lives come because God empowers us. So we talk about the calling that God gives to us. There is a calling on our lives to do something for him. I would say that that is that first essential element of the moment that you find yourself in. But quickly, let me give you the second, and this is huge. The second is the vision. If the first is the calling, the second is the vision. And vision is hugely important. Because you may be called of God, but at the end of the day, you're, you're called to do what? The ball may be in your hands as a parent or in the workplace. It may be in the church or it may be in your community. And you know that there's this shift and you go, I can't just be a bystander. I've got to participate. I've got to make a difference somehow. But the question then becomes, what is it that you're going to do? That's the vision. That's the vision of what God has called you to do. It was easy for Joshua to articulate it to the people. Listen to what he said, Joshua chapter 1, verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan, here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. He knew where he was going. He knew what they needed to do. And I would challenge you that you do the same in your life. It's important to have a vision of where you are going and what matters to you. It is important to have a vision for your life of where you're going and what matters to you. You know, we watched those guys um, do those buzzer beater shots at the beginning of this message. Did any of them wonder what it was that they were supposed to do? They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. It's easy to take the shot at the buzzer if you know where you're going and what you're supposed to do. Get the ball through the hoop, right? Win the game. That was the vision, and it was out there. And if you don't have some form of vision for your life, if you don't know where you're headed, what it is that you're supposed to do, then when those buzzer beater moments come, you're not going to know, how, how do I shoot? Where do I move forward? What is the goal in my life? At some point, we have to spend some time with God, or we have to do some soul searching, or we have to bump into some things and recognize that there are things in our lives that, that that's a part of our calling. It's our vision, where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do. Let me give you real quick, our vision as a church is life change. We believe this, that if lives aren't changed, 
through what we do as a church, then, then what we're doing doesn't matter. It's communicating the gospel message. And, and this is the, the critical thing that God's called us to do. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we launched a, a ministry that's been made available to us to put our services on WLMB on the television. And uh, it's kind of a bit of an experiment. And, and how do we do it? Who says the television? Does anybody say the television anymore? No, sorry. Um, it's on TV. Man, you get an email that says, look, this, this message came at just the right moment in my life. And last week, I, I met an individual who said that God had been kind of moving in her. She just felt like she was supposed to go to church, but didn't know what church to go to. So she was flipping channels, and then there we were. She says, I was watching TV, and your church came on TV. She looks at me, and she goes, I think it might have been you. <laughs> it's because I got a face for radio, see? And, um, and she said, and I just, I realized... This, this was something God wanted me to do and came to church and God spoke to her heart. It's a powerful thing. You know why we do things like that? Because it changes lives. I love hearing stories of people who, even though they can't make it to church, either by illness or out of town, and God's using the, the live stream that we're doing online to be able to communicate the gospel message even in that way. Why? Because it's changing lives. I saw it for myself a couple of weeks ago when I was in Madagascar that when you give to missions, it is, it is making a difference to literally step-by-step step move the kingdom of God forward. And we saw it through Serve Week. The thousands of people were able to walk away and go, I don't know much about that Calvary church, but they sure do love people. It's huge. I heard of three families this week that, that as, they've, as they've begun to attend church here, they're watching their spiritual life increase and their children are finding a place where they can grow, where they can make relationships, and they're finding out more about Jesus. I interacted with two young men this week who, a year ago, were not in a place where probably they would have been able to say that Jesus Christ was their Lord and Savior. And not only is he their Lord and Savior now with the promise of heaven out there for them, but God is doing something and stirring in their life. That's life change. Isn't that what it's all about? That's our vision as a church. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to know what it is that you're supposed to do. Now, how do you do that then? Let me very quickly give this to you. This is straight out of Joshua chapter 1. Just real quick and then we'll be done. I want to give you three keys to living out the vision. Because the truth is, you may sense that the ball's in your hands. And you go, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I even begin to know? And God gives this very clearly to Joshua. Watch this. Three keys to living out the vision that God has given for you in this moment. The first is this, number one. It's identity. It's who you are. It's your identity. You've got to know who you are. And this is, this is a place where people wrestle so many times. Listen to what God says to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. He says the same thing to him. He says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do you remember that from last week? That was, that was his calling card. God was saying to him, Joshua, I'm, I'm calling you this. I'm telling you this. This is who you are in me. This is your identity. You don't find it in yourself. You don't find it in your last name. You don't find it in your education. You find it in me. And you know who you are in me? You are strong and you are courageous. And some of you need to hear that very clearly because you are in a moment. The ball is in your hands you know that God has put you in a place of leadership or of opportunity and you're not quite sure what to do and even more you wrestle with if you're even the right person to do it and he would say to you, be strong and courageous. God is giving you strength and courage to you for this very moment. I want you to grasp that. God is giving strength and courage to you for this very moment. I've shared just a little bit about this. When we were in Madagascar a couple weeks ago, the, the place where I saw the most chaos was in the airport. It was just, it was just nuts. 
And the missionary, Jay, that we were with said, look, we probably should get a head start on your flight back so that we just know that you're good and that you're, you're ready to go. So we actually got to the airport three and a half hours early for our flight, and we rolled up, and the place was already just crawling with people. And it was this semblance of a line. It was just, it was just crazy, and there was this nutty chaos that was all over and we're like oh man we got to stand in this and you're just you're worried about how's this going to play out and you got to go through this whole process and all that and jay says i'll be back in just a minute he starts kind of wandering around just before we left his house he said you know what maybe we should see if we can print off your boarding passes have you ever done that when you're flying you print it off before before you leave if you're in madagascar i would encourage you to do this okay so we printed it off And he comes back and he says, all right, fellas, you come with me. Here, there was a special line for those who didn't have to go through the boarding pass process and already had their boarding passes printed out. Do you know who had their boarding passes printed out? (laughs) This guy. (laughs) Guess who cut through all the chaos and went right to that line? This guy. Guess who was at the front of that line? This guy. (laughs) Right? It was awesome. It was fantastic. There was even a little sign that said, if you already have your pre-printed boarding pass, come here. It was wonderful. Except you couldn't read it because there was so much chaos. That boarding pass already said, this is who you are, this is where you're going. I was so thankful for it because it moved me to a place out of the chaos and into a place of peace and security because it had that identity attached to it. But the chaos kept me from seeing it. Does this make sense in your life? Some of you are so steered by chaos that you forget that God has called you in this moment with the ball in your hand to be strong and courageous. Based on your own strength? Based on your own courage? Now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where we find it. Now now watch this. This is key. That's a key to living out the vision. It's identity. Knowing that your strength and courage comes from God. Here's number two though. It's obedience. This is what you do. If identity is who you are, then obedience is what you do. And this is, this is so critical. Listen to what God says to Joshua. He repeats it again, his identity. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. We don't have time to unpack this. Just think about this. There is no success without obedience. Isn't that true? There is no success without obedience. Those buzzer beater shots are awesome. But if those guys had double dribbled or traveled, would that shot have counted? Now, if you don't play by the rules, you can't win the game. And at the end of the day, if you want God's blessing on your life, there is no success without obedience. So how do I know who I am? How do I know what to obey? Third thing, and this is so key, and it's the idea of Scripture. And if identity is who you are and obedience is what you do, Scripture is what you believe. And we have to have that foundation, that bedrock. And the Bible, for many of us, is just a Band-Aid. When we get an emotional or spiritual bruise, we just find our favorite verse out of Jeremiah 29, 11, or John eleven thirty-five 35, or whatever, and we slap it on there, and we go, praise God for God's word. Is that what it's supposed to be? Now, listen to this. Joshua 1, 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. The recipe, and everybody's looking for this, right? The recipe for prosperity and success is in knowing and obeying the word of God. It's in knowing and obeying the word of God. That's, that's where we find it. That's, where it. that's where it sticks. I've mentioned this before, but 
I've kind of been on this little personal quest that when I see someone whose leadership or whose life is attractive to me, I want to get closer to them. I want to find out what makes them tick. And I have asked, what is it that makes your leadership different? Because you seem to have a certain sense of wisdom. You seem to have, and, and I'll tell you that, that, that of the people that I've asked and that I've watched and observed their lives, I have heard from them consistently and humbly. You know, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I just know this, that on a regular basis, I'm in God's word. I don't start a day without putting scripture into my life. And the benefits of that, you want a recipe for success and prosperity. It's in knowing and in obeying the word of God. One, um, one last quick thought. Do you know what Joshua's name means? means the Lord is my help. Jehovah is my Savior. And that name Joshua in the Old Testament is a derivative of the same name that we see in the New Testament that is Jesus. Did you know that? It's interesting. In fact, the person of Joshua in the Old Testament is actually kind of a, a foreshadowing. It's a type of who Jesus would come and would be. And I thought to myself, was there ever this, was there ever this moment where Jesus had the, the ball in his hands? His moment? I would say one of those would be in the Garden of Gethsemane, wouldn't you? When he said, God, I really don't want to do this whole cross thing. But he said, not my will, but your will, Lord. Thy will be done. And I'm so glad he did. Because then he went to the cross. And because of the cross, there's amazing grace that comes to me and offers forgiveness. And my life can be changed. And that's good news, isn't it? So the question to us today. Ball's in your hands. What are you going to do? I hope that as you go through this week, even in the midst of what you would yesterday have thought to just be casual conversation, today there's going to be a shift and God's going to speak to your heart and he's going to say, this is a moment. Falls in your hands. What are you going to do? And as you search for that calling in your life, for that vision that God has for you, what do you do in that? I'm going to ask you in this moment just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me if you would. Beverly's going to sing this, this song for us. What can I say? What can I do? But offer my heart, oh God, completely to you. And as she does, would you, would you think about the things we've talked about today and see how it fits in your life? say, God, I know that the ball is in my hands. There's a moment that I'm in. That you're calling me to, to, to have a vision, to do something unique for you in my family, in my business, in whatever it might be. If, if that's you and the Spirit's been speaking to your heart, would you just stand right where you're at? I don't want to sing with God. I just want to pray for you. That's you. You know you are in a moment. I don't know. You, you, you don't even have to define it. Maybe you can't define it. You just know that God's Spirit is speaking to you. You're in a moment. 
and it's, and it's a chance. And you don't want to drop the ball. You don't want to miss this. And God's speaking to your heart right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, in this moment, I, I pray for those that are standing. God, I pray that you would allow them to know that in you they are both strong and courageous. Lord, as they obey the words of Scripture, as they make a willingness to sacrificially serve you with your divine empowerment behind them, God, would you would you speak to them? God, would you work in them? And Lord, let them know that it is in this moment that you are there, you're beside them, and you're working something out in their lives. In Jesus' name. Could we all stand? And let's sing this song. I'll stand with arms high and heart up and the one who gave it all, I stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. So that's all stand. So I'll stand with us, high and hard, abandoned it all of the one. trust those those moments to us with your calling with your vision we can we can do something great for you so now lord as we go from here would you go with us send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace we ask this in jesus name amen amen god bless you thanks for being here have a great week we'll see you next sunday